welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster. Meg has spent 20 years in higher education focused on student success initiatives and working in areas such as orientation, faculty development, online learning, student leadership, and first-year initiatives. Welcome, everybody. Happy Friday. Um, We are just thrilled to have three fantastic uh, folks with us today to um, talk about um, our, our topic for today, just as a reminder, um, Friday Five Live, we believe in audience participation um, and always try to start off with just a, a little bit of humor because we all need that in our week as we wrap up. I know it's been a busy, busy week. Um, so as questions come up, you know, I always prepare questions for our panelists, but if our audience has some questions you would like to ask or best practices that you want to share with us, uh, please do use the chat for that. Um, Nicole, Loyandra, Reggie, don't you stress about the chat. That's my job to pay attention to that and I'll weave it um, into our conversation. Um, you, Melissa will make sure that everybody has access to our slides today. Um, but just as a reminder, if you'd like to share Friday Five Live with your colleagues who maybe couldn't be with us today, um, don't hesitate to do so. Here's some strategies for doing that. Uh, we like to think that Friday Five Live pairs nicely with a walk um, or a good cup of coffee or, or a cup of tea, so. Um, without any further ado, I, I am going to get our speakers to, to share um, some information about themselves with us as well, but you've got kind of a summary. We're really fortunate to have today here um, essentially the leadership team um, for the sort of newly um, formed um, Center for Student Success at Trinity Washington University, which um, looks like Nicole's picture in the background on a beautiful sunny day. Um, I know that it's not beautiful or sunny today, though, unfortunately, in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, since it is gray and rainy down here um, in Richmond. But welcome. We are just so glad to have uh, the three of you with us today as we talk about what we're referring to as historically underrepresented minority students and how we can uh, best support uh, this population of students. So I'm gonna have you all kick us off um, and you all can, Reggie, I'll let you pick the order of um, who does this. If, if you would just kind of introduce oh. to your roles too um, and give us just a kind of an overview um, of, or a little introduction to Trinity Washington because it's a really unique institution. Yeah, absolutely. So I will kick us off. So again, thanks again for the invite. I'm so excited to be back. So my name is Reggie Strobel, and I serve as the director for the Center for Student Success at Trinity Washington University. So within my role, I oversee advising at the institution. So that consists of the College of Arts and Sciences, the School of Professional Studies, and then also the School of Professional Studies at the institution. I also oversee a component component of enrollment services that focus particularly on financial aid. So we are looking at students' account balances, assisting students with scholarships, um, and also students with assisting students with applying for FAFSA, et cetera. And just a quick overview of Trinity Washington, we will give that as after Nicole and Loyandra introduce themselves. So we'll start with Nicole Rouse. Hello, everyone. My name is Nicole Rouse. Um, currently, I serve as the Assistant Director of the Student Success Center. Um, I specialize in financial aid. Um, I also had, I'm supervising a team of about five underneath me, um, and we put on programs to help students with financial literacy, um, and we kind of deal with uh, 
high intense situations or cases um, trying to get students financial aid and the help that they need. Thanks, Nicole. Um, next, we'll have uh, Ms. Loyandra Cooper introduce herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Leandra Cooper. I am the assistant director for the Center for Student Success for advising at Trinity. And uh, I have a staff that I manage of about nine other uh, advisors throughout our College of Arts and Sciences uh, school, as well as our School of Professional Studies, as well as our uh, uh, business and graduate schools. So our main role um, is just as advisors, it's not just to be that, you know, when you think of advisors, the person who helps you register and schedule your courses. That is a lot of what we do. However, uh, with the uh, conception of the Center for Student Success, we are more focused on that whole student. So um, being able to collaborate with enrollment services as well as uh, Nicole and her team, we want to make sure that not only is the student registered um, and scheduled for the right courses, that they have everything that they need in terms of making sure their financial aid is on point, making sure that they know that we can help them and serve as liaisons between them and their professors, as well as just making sure that they have everything that they need to be successful as a student. So that is what uh, myself and my team really, really focus on. And we have the opportunity to really build those connections and rapport with our students. Absolutely. Thank you, Nicole and Leandra. So just a little bit about Trinity Washington, um, just kind of want to go through just four main components. Um, so the first main component is the commitment to the education of women. Um, so we do, our College of Arts and Sciences is still um, considered an all-woman school, but there are men who are at the institution. Um, they go through our School of Professional Studies. Uh, we do is have a foundation for learning within the liberal arts. So Trinity is a liberal arts institution. Um, and then the other component is Trinity is grounded in the mission of the Sisters of Notre Dame. So it's a Catholic tradition, but Trinity welcomes all persons of faith in order to achieve the larger purpose of learning the human search for meaning and fulfillment. And last but not least, we are considered a HBI. Um, so I attended a HBCU, but Trinity is a HBI, which, a which is a historically black institution. Um, and then is also considered a um, historically Hispanic serving institution as well. Nicole or um, Lowe, did you want to add anything? Nope, I think that you covered everything gracefully. And just again, we uh, help um, encourage all of our students, all students, again, we, it's not about, we are rooted in the Catholic tradition, but we do welcome students of all faith, which is very important. And we enjoy being able to experience all that information with all of our students, so. Mm -hmm. That. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, and again, thank you for your time. And um, Reggie, you know, as we were sort of preparing for today, and, and as, as Reggie alluded to, um, he has been um, a, a guest on our podcast in the past. Um, and, and just I encourage you, please go listen to those um, podcasts. I think just really powerful information about um, those where we're more focused in our discussion around how we can serve Black male students, um, but shifting our focus um, a little bit in this conversation today. So you were sharing with me that you've, you're launching this kind of new initiative called Start Strong um, at Trinity. And I would really love to know about kind of what, what, is, what are the facets of that? Um, initiative. Mm -hmm. But then also, um, I know one of the things you do, I think, a beautiful job of is really getting buy-in from your administration teams um, at mm -hmm. the institutions you worked at. And so any advice you have for us, because I know some of us are in the trenches thinking, 
how are we going to get these ideas in front of um, the people who can help us make them happen? Absolutely. That's a, a great, great start. Great question to start off our conversation today. So just some more context. So the Center for Student Success, it's not even uh, one year, one years of age as of yet. Um, so I took this role on April the 7th of last year. So this is a brand new center. And what we wanted to do with the Start Strong initiative. So the thing about new centers and the beauty of new centers is you are trying new initiatives and it's brand new. So if it does well, awesome. But if there um, is you're not getting the results that you're seeking, there's those rooms for improvement. So with the Start Strong initiative, I wanted, you know, the basis behind it was really thinking about how do we look at the holistic development of the student and how do we make this merge of academic support services and also combine enrollment services. So one of the initiatives that I was charged with when just kind of thinking of the development of the center was how do we combine academic services with enrollment services to focus on that holistic development of the student. So one thing that institutions I feel are doing a great job of, but kind of, you know, all institutions are really struggling with this now is enrollment. So with the Star Strong Initiative, we wanted to focus more on retention. So within, with at Trinity Washington Institution, there is, there's about four components that we like to put our students in as far as academic standing. So you have students who are on probation too, and in a short sense, that is a student who is on the verge of being academically dismissed. Then we have students who are on probation one. So that student based on their GPA, they're in failure of being on that probation two and are almost on the verge of being academically dismissed from the institution. Then we have academic warning. So academic warning is for the student who has over consecutive semesters have not reached their required grade point average. And then we have students who are in um, category on academic watch. So that is students who may have had uh, you know, a one-off bad semester or their semester did not kind of go as planned. So we, again, the four components are probation two, probation one, academic watch, um, and then academic warning. So those are the four components. Now for probation two, we have a targeted outreach approach for students specifically on probation two. So again, within the four components, we have targeted outreach, but we really are truly focusing on the probationary two students, because again, these are the students who are on the verge of being academically dismissed for the institution. So we have broken the um, semester down into weeks. So typically at an institution, semesters are 16 weeks long, but we know that last week or so is kind of left up for final exams. And then depending on the institution that you're at, spring semester, some get um, the entire spring break, some do not. Us working at a Catholic institution, we get Easter, which is um, something new um, for me, which I am definitely going to enjoy this year. So we are doing targeted outreach where a student must complete a student intake form. So again, the basis is on retention. With the student intake form, we are looking for any barriers that could hinder our student from moving from that probation two to probation one. So some examples of the questions that we do ask are, do you have access to reliable internet? 
because again, with the transition of COVID, a lot more courses are offered online and then students are submitting work virtually. So we wanna make sure that they have access to um, reliable internet, right? Next question that we ask is, what particular subjects are you struggling with? Have you connected with our tutoring department on campus? And um, most importantly, we require these students to meet with their academic advisor. A new um, policy that we have created, so students who are on probation too, they're not allowed to enroll in their courses unless they meet with their academic advisors. That is something that we had to get some institutional buy-in on, but if you're on probation too, you're not allowed to register for courses until you meet uh, with your academic advisors. And in addition to the intake form, we also are suggesting for students to attend um, two student success events. So that could be something within financial aid. It could be something on um, time management. We also do career-related workshops as well. Um, and then we also have collaborated with academic support services on campus as well, because again, we oversee academic advising. So we've collaborated with academic support services and we've truly taken a case management approach with the students who are on probation too, where we're having weekly meetings now with academic support services to ensure that these students are completing tutoring um, and then also making sure that these students are meeting with their academic advisor. So we have some more targeted outreach as well for students on probation two, I mean, probation one, academic watch and then academic warning as well. But we really, really wanted to have a targeted approach where we are focusing on students who are on probation two, ready to get dismissed so we can increase retention rates on campus. So the Start Strong initiative, is that for currently enrolled students or is that something that um, you're bringing in new students into this initiative too? Does that make sense like your first time? Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So this semester we're focusing on currently enrolled students, but as we progress within the initiative, it's gonna be for all students. So we're gonna require all students to complete the intake form. So even the newly enrolled students for the spring, we didn't have a ton. So it was about 40, I think it was like 49 or 50 newly enrolled students for the spring. But in the fall, that's really gonna be our base point. And again, with the intake form, we are hoping to catch any barriers of, potential barriers of success for students, we want to catch it within that first or that second week. So we now are going to we transition to the model where all students have to complete the intake form. And we utilize the platform Starfish. So I know some institutions utilize Navigate, some mm -hmm. utilize Starfish. I think it's another uh, platform out there. I may not be sure. So if you have any other platforms that you're using for academic advising or academic support services, please feel free to put that in the chat. Mm -hmm. But we utilize Starfish and we're able to now, when students um, input those barriers, we're able to um, alert flags. So these flags go to the academic advisor. These flags also go to students, faculty members. They also go to um, even, you know, services for disability support services, if a student uh -huh. needs special accommodations, we're now with the intake form able to capture those barriers and provide direct, um, direct impact to students because we were starting to see that students may particularly wait until week eight or week nine to come with an issue. And then sometimes, unfortunately, it's too late for us to really kind of implement any service to have a turnaround. So we want to catch students now within those first one to three weeks. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
and, and you had mentioned that you were doing like that you're on a 16 week semester. So do you have kind of like um, a calendar, if that makes sense? Like we're going to week mm -hmm. one, we're going to target students around this message or mm -hmm. I see Loyandra is like not in her head. Like, yeah, um, so I'm going to I'm going to let Lo, Loyandra jump on that question. But to answer yours, we do. Uh, we have a calendar of touch points. So every week there is a different initiative or a different touch point. So again, within that first one to three weeks, we do a, um, it's called an NVAT. So that is for students' attendance reports. So we're actually tracking students' attendance as well. So within that first one to two weeks, we compile a report to see how many students are not attending courses. And if you've uh, missed multiple courses, your academic advisor now actually contacts you directly to figure out, is there something going on? Again, because we're looking at the holistic development of the student. And sometimes, you know, a student may say, you know, I had a death in the family, or I'm really struggling with this course. I just don't want to attend. It, it could be a variety of reasons, but we do track attendance within that first um, one or two weeks as well. I'm low, so I'm going to let you, low, you jump on that question as well, because you're doing a lot of the sending the messaging out and making sure our team is on point. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> for in terms of like that weekly, right? So for we do break down the semester in 16 weeks. And so each week for the most part has a theme. And so with that week, not only are we just having a theme of like, well, welcome back, right? Let's say that the second week was getting adjusted. If that week was about getting adjusted, we're talking about how students should have been reading through their syllabi, right? Making sure that they have information and, and knowing what they need for their classes. And then from that next week, what we're focusing on is we're focusing on where it's kind of like building on everything. So we take mm -hmm. it from um, trying to make sure that they're getting acclimated to that new semester correctly. And then maybe it's like, how do I find campus resources? How do I make an appointment with a tutor? These are um, conversations and instances in which they are connecting with their academic advisor. So the academic advisor is the one who's um, going through and giving all these instructions to the students and meeting with the students at a weekly basis. I'm a little distracted because I see the chat going, um, but I, but so it's like bubbling up, but I did quickly glance at it and broke the rules, but um, so the advisor, their, their academic advisor is the one who is make, having these weekly um, meetings and touch points with the students. And this is not a line of students outside of your office every day saying, hey, I'm here for my weekly meeting. We have different platforms in which the students can connect with us. While we love that in-person meeting, we are um, taking the opportunity to say, hey, let's jump into a Zoom call real quick. Hey, maybe we'll go to the cafe and grab some grab some lunch real quick and maybe we can talk or maybe we'll go to the deli and grab grab a coffee and just quickly chat in person or we can do a phone call. So it's really just to touch, have these touch points with the students because the ultimate goal is while to get them um, uh, reduced from these probation plans or these, you know, these academic success plans because we want them to be um, in control of their education. We want them to be accountable for what they're doing. So we want to provide them with these tools where it's not a handheld experience all throughout the six weeks. It's saying, hey, this is where we're going to start and we're going to continue to make sure that you're taking, you know, the initiative to, to, to go further and make sure that you're doing what you need to do to be successful. But it is the academic advisor who is having these conversations. And, it, and we all have a different... Um, 
we we have different caseload sizes, uh, mostly sitting between 130 and 150, but all of our students are not on these plans. So it's it's a, a good thing in a way where we're not seeing a ton of our students on these plans, but those who are on these plans, we are taking that into consideration and making sure we're developing the time and the space to really give it to them so we can make sure that they continue to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And then, Meg, I just wanted to add um, Nicole's um, Nicole plays a significant piece in this plan as well, because again, not only are we looking at the academics, but we're also looking at the financial component as well. So I'm going to let Nicole just talk about, you know, within the first three weeks, some of the initiatives from this plan that she's seen with students as far as contacting them, letting them know about account balances, and even just assisting them with completing the FAFSA. Yes. So um, financially, uh, students get afraid, right? When you speak about big numbers like 12,000 or 24,000. Um, so our goal is to provide them with that support. So whether it be calling them um, every weekly, reviewing their FAFSA weekly to see what's missing. Um, I have a team and my staff, they go over students' accounts weekly to see what um, they're missing. So we have a certain spreadsheet where we have probation students, probation one, two, academic watch, and I'll have my staff go over that um, weekly to, to make uh, touch points with these students. And even if we can't, we do text, we call, we email. So whatever we can do to kind of push that student to the next level, um, that's what we're doing. And I also did look at the chat. <laughs> we do have grants here. Um, financially, we have some things here at Trinity. We are so fortunate to have the support of higher administration um, to support these students with grants, institutional grants, um, institutional discounts. And we um, work in the D.C. area. So there are D.C. DC scholarships um, that a lot of our students get funding from. So D.C. Futures, D.C. Tech, CAP, D.C. Mayors. Um, and that all helps to support our students in our initiatives. Mm -hmm. And then um, last but not least, Meg, another reason that we did want to do this initiative. So again, we have the four components, which low and the team they look at for, you know, probation two, one, academic watch, academic warning. Nicole has that same access. So because we were starting to see, and, and not just at Trinity, but I think just institutions in higher ed in general, sometimes a student can be lost in the crack when it's that transition. So when I mean that transition, that student may meet with the academic advisor, but they have a hold on the account. And then the advisor just says, well, I'm just gonna send you to enrollment services and not necessarily having that correct handoff. So um, Nicole has um, created like a beautiful term and I hope she gets this copyrighted. If she doesn't, I'm gonna get it. We like to have a happy handoff where we- yeah, happy hand up where, you know, again, as Nicole said, a lot of times when students, you know, when the student may meet with the academic advising and advising says you have a hold in your account and you have a large balance, it's that tension or is that fear. But this, you know, with our team, we actually walk the students to, um, you know, to downstairs to Nicole's team or we just simply do a handoff on the phone. Hey, a student is actually coming down now with this issue coming to you. So it's not a surprise from either office when a student is coming because we have now developed that streamlined process where we're communicating about the students and we know what's going on with the student academically, then also financially as well. Yes, and just to add to that, Reggie, um, just a little bit about myself, I specialize in customer service. So everyone on my team is really well versed in 
doing the best for the student. So mm-hmm. if that means going the extra mile in connecting them with disability services or connecting them with their advisor directly, we do that for them. Um, we will email disability services if a student can't get in contact with them um, because coming from a staff member means uh, sometimes, unfortunately, means a little bit more than coming from an uh, email coming from a student. Um, so even if it means just going that extra mile, I know sometimes at higher ed, we can get so consumed in what we do on a day to a day to day, but taking that extra second with a student means a lot for retention and it also means a lot to the student's experience. Nicole, that's a really beautiful segue. We've, um, as, as, um, Leander mentioned, we've had the, te- the chat blowing up, which I just love. That means we're doing good stuff here um, today. And, and if you're listening to this recorded, don't worry, we'll get you um, be able to read that as well. But Erin um, posted the question that I think really was our next kind of thought too. He, he's, he's at an institution where students are doing pretty well academically, it sounds like, but struggling with creating a sense of belonging. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I know, Nicole, when we had, we had chatted before, we talked about engaging, you know, perspective and current students, you have a, a pretty large population, it sounds like, of students who may be parents or kind of what we would have perhaps three or four years ago called non-traditional. I think we're moving away from some of that terminology, which I think is really important. So would would love all three of you to talk about some strategies that we can implement. Um, I think this piece of of that happy handoff is certainly a critical one when students know that they've got somebody who's going to do that with them. I think they that, that culture of care, I think we're all recognizing is so important in higher ed. So mm-hmm. um, excited to hear from, from you all your thoughts. About That's a great, great question and great segue. So under the Center for Student Success, we now oversee orientation because we don't, on campus, we don't have a director of orientation. It was really a committee approach as far as many different departments really kind of oversaw um, orientation. But that when the idea was, you know, brought to me to put orientation on the uh, student success, I was a little apprehensive at first because I was like, I, I've done some orientation stuff. But I don't know what it looks like. But then once I started to do some further research, that is really what develops the sense of belonging. That's the initial standpoint, start point for developing that sense of belonging. And then part two to that, a mission plays a critical role in developing the sense of belonging. So yesterday we had a joint meeting with admissions and we discussed from the application process to when a student is fully enrolled. What does that look like? So what does that look like for the part-time student? What does that look like for the full-time student? And what does that even look like for the student who's on campus and they're just taking a couple of classes trying to get a feel? And um, our students who are in high school programs that are doing some sort of dual enrollment, right? So we're looking at those kind of four pockets of students. How do we develop that sense of belonging? So it starts with admissions. And then the next step, is going to be orientation. So one of the things that we did for orientation, um, because again, now with COVID and this kind of forced us to really kind of rethink how we deliver programs to students, there are some students who need that in-person feel to feel that sense of belonging. Having multiple student leaders who, um, you know, who are very active on campus 
having them actually come and having to do some of that peer-to-peer um, touch points has been very crucial. And then two, we have launched a new mentorship program where the students who attend orientation, and again, this is volunteer, volunteer they have the option to now connect with a mentor and be a part of the mentorship program. So they'll have, again, that peer-to-peer that will walk them through, um, will really walk them through that process of what it, what it means to be a Trinity Tiger. So we, you know, our approach is we're looking at the admission process, helping them to develop a sense of belonging through the admissions process. So again, after a student is enrolled or, you know, is acquiring about enrollment, they are connected directly to the academic advisor from the admissions representative. And, th- and that's that was very different for me from the institutions that I have worked at because it's, you know, within advising, kind of you just get the student's name information and the advisor reaches out to help them with classes. But to actually have the admission representative who's worked with this student since day one make the connection point has made a world of a difference and it makes the student feel more connected. And I feel develops a better sense of belonging. So after they're connected to the advisor, the advisor now connects them to orientation. Once they get connected to orientation, then they're now connected to students who are already on campus. So before they get to campus, they have at least five touch points with staff, faculty, or students to really kind of make them feel welcome. So Lo and Nicole, did y'all want to add anything to that? I just wanted to go ahead and just talk about how uh, going back to just that sense of belonging and even our how our programming is, mm-hmm. is working with that. So once we get the students on campus, and again, we are about the whole student, right? So yes, academics is important. Yes, that is why we go to college. But we also know that um, I've always been taught it was 50-50 at college, right? So you have to do your academics, but this is where you're creating your network. This is where you're creating your friend groups, your lifelong connections. And so with that sense of belonging, understanding what are some things that are, you know, troubling our students? What are some things that our students need, right? We know that all of our institutions may be different, right? We know that they they look different in what they, how they appeal to students, right? So being, um, um, we'll obviously speak about Trinity, our students may need to understand how is it, you know, that connection, right? We have a lot of first-generation students. Um, so how first-generation college students, so what does that look like going back home for the holidays? What does that look like having those conversations amongst people who may not have gone to college, right? You may have those family members who just know you go to college, you get a you get a job, you get a career, you're great. No, what does that look like feeling like you're the only one? So we have programs that have those conversations, right? We have programs that look into understanding how do I, you know, get an internship? What does that look like and why is it meaningful to me. So what we've done um, at Trinity and and specifically with the Center for Student Success, we have really cultivated um, a lot of time and a lot of effort to making sure that we're meeting the students where they are and understanding what they need. Our students will are very, very vocal. They tell us what they need. They tell us what they're interested in. And we make sure that we have those programmings that can help influence that sense of belonging. So it's not just us giving information that, yeah, we know they need. No, we need to know what you need because all of us have been in college at different times and it looks very different. This generation of students, they're, they're the generation of, unfortunately, of COVID. So they haven't had that traditional experience. Their experience has looked vastly different than anybody else in college. So we have to understand that and use that to make sure that they still remain successful. So that's how we also continue to create that sense of belonging. 
I love that, Nicole, and I'm excited to hear from you. I just want to reiterate something that, you know, we've talked about, like that importance of listening to our students. Like we cannot plan effective programming if we don't ask them, what do you all need? Um, and I just love that you guys are doing that. Nicole, what do you yes, want to Yes, um, listening to the students is a huge piece, but also listening to the people who have their boots on the ground and is talking to these students day after day. Um, having those, including those people in the meetings um, that plans these events for these students or plan strategic goals for these students. Um, I know you spoke about the buy-in of higher administration, but also the buy-in of your team. I think we do so well because we have this synergy and this passion for the students that we serve. Um, and they can see that through our actions. Like the students can see that I speak with Leandria a lot, I speak with Reggie a lot, and I know about their cases. Some of them I know by heart. So they can walk into my office and I'm like, oh, I heard about you and I never met them before. I know I know what's going on with you. Uh, they'll sit down like with a relief. They'll know that somebody is looking into them. Somebody is wanting to help them. So as I stated before, just going that extra mile for the students, um, meeting them where they are. We, we do a lot of outreach for historically, I'm trying to get this right, historically underrepresented minorities. We do a lot of outreach to them so that um, so that they can feel welcome. These are people who may have not even felt like college was for them, but we provide them an opportunity by giving them different class schedules, by meeting them where they are as far as their schedules. These people have kids, these people have jobs. So by doing that, we ensure that they're able to come to class and get that degree. Um, and it's not just a just traditional way sometimes, but um, it works for them and that's all that really matters. Yeah, absolutely. And um, last point on sense of, be uh, sense of belongingness. Um, so some institutions may, um, so when I was at in graduate school at Virginia Tech, we had um, cultural centers, but now they're called affinity centers. So we had a black cultural center for, you know, it was, it was a place where students who identified as black could actually just go and be. Um, some institutions don't have the resources for that. Um, so affinity groups and affinity-based programs, that is very crucial to developing a sense of belonging as well, because so I just want to give a quick resource because um, I can go on a, 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 a that. But um, one of my favorite books is by Beverly Danielle Tatum, and it's called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria and Other mm -hmm. Conversations About Race? So, again, that's Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria and Other Conversations About Race. And this book, again, it's not higher ed focused, but it really kind of beautifully paints the importance of sense of belonging and the importance of affinity groups on campus because there are sometimes where students need to identify with people who have similar backgrounds and similar, similar affinities as them as well. Awesome resource. That's a fantastic book. Um, thank you for sharing with that. And, and something that institutions, and, I, and, and I'm thinking about all these questions that we've had in our chat, which are so exciting. Um, one of the questions was, how do we get budget around these? these initiatives that you all are taking on. And if that um, is affinity group space, you know, um, and maybe there can be tiered approaches, right? We don't have to, we can start here and build it up. Sometimes that's a little less overwhelming than we would like a million dollars for a brand new. Uh -huh. Yeah. So what, what's your advice, Reggie? 
or that's, or anyone? Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, so we have a the student success center has a very limited budget, and a lot of the roles that I worked in, I've worked in roles where I've had to come in with no budget at all. What I've learned is, and I, and I just wrote this out, institutional, creating institutional consistent need. So it's not just good enough to just have one program where there are multiple students, but having multiple programs with that shows and kind of highlights the institutional need, creates institutional buy-in is part one. And then part two of that is utilizing data-driven decisions communicates to institutional leaders also the need as well. So with the Start Strong initiative, being able to showcase the students who started on the initiative and then where they ended, being able to show how many institutional events they attended and being able to demonstrate the impact and then go to communicate that to institutional leadership has been ways that I've been able to utilize and kind of get more funding for things, but it really had to show that institutional impact. And the second thing is having a growth mindset when you're looking at um, institutional budget as well. So it, it, it was a shift for me in my previous positions when I said, I don't have a budget, I can't do programs, to shift and to say, I don't have a budget, but how can I create effective programs? So one of my side hustles is I DJ. So instead of paying a DJ to come to campus, I said, well, I can pack my DJ equipment up, DJ the event on campus will provide some background music, get the students to actually come to attend and then provide the information. So that, but doing that on a weekly basis, that's now building institutional need, institutional buy-in, may need a particular space now to house these students because it is outgrown the capacity. So really, um, and I know it can be frustrating when you don't have the budget. So I'm not saying it's easy, but I had to kind of shift my mindset to say, I don't have a budget, but what can I still create with no budget so I can get the institutional buy-in? So really fixing my mindset. I think that's so, so important. You know, I think we can sometimes be guilty in higher education of feeling like we're always coming from this place of not, of, of not having. And so when we can kind of shift that, all right, yeah, but what do I have and what can I build from there? And how can I, um, somebody made a beautiful comment about loving the interconnectedness of the work that you're doing, how it's pulling from these different departments and divisions. And right, um, I think there's a lot of power there. And and I do feel like one of the shifts I'm seeing in higher ed, and I, I think the pandemic has accelerated this, is that um, moving out of those silos that I think we've sometimes been guilty of, you know, getting in um, to really think in this kind of very holistic uh, manner as you're doing. Um, we only have, this time is flying by too fast. Um, we only have five more minutes. So I wanna, I, I do wanna make sure I address some of these really great questions that have come up in our chat. and. One of which is is the ask about, um, and, and several faculty have kind of chatted in, 
is there something specific that they, any advice for them as they're working in the classroom space, um, particularly as we think about, you know, uh, today's topic of um, uh, our historically underrepresented minority students, that, that you, advice you could give to help faculty create a sense of belonging. I know there's, this is a complex, this is a whole other podcast in and of itself, <laughs> but in three minutes or less. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let um, so Loyandra <clears throat> just recently did a presentation at a faculty meeting. So I'm gonna let her jump on this question because our faculty were asking the same question. So thanks, Reggie. So one of the things that I will say, and it's it's gonna sound very simple, but like you said, it could be very complex. I, I think going back to that being connected, right? I think in 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 higher ed and even just in all institutions. We feel like we're so very separated. Faculty teach, admin do this, everybody. We all work together. We're all there for the same purpose. And that is to build, uh, be, you know, give these uh, individuals, right? These we're shapers of minds, these, you know, individuals who are coming to get their degrees. We all work together to help them be successful. So faculty, lean in with your advisors, lean in with the team that is, you know, with the, the students on that other side. I will say I have probably the greatest relationship with some of my faculty at, at Trinity where, you know, Leandra, this person's not doing too well. Can, what, how can we work together? Or they're in my office right now. What do you need from them? What do I need from them? It, it, it has been so very helpful to know that the students are not just looking at the faculty to just teach me, be my professor, that's all I need from you. Sometimes they don't know what to articulate or, you know, they may even have a better connection with you that they're not coming to see me. So as Nicole talked about, like, we have that rapport building and, and just making sure that it, it, making those connections count. I think that's the best thing that I've seen. And that's one of the things that I've loved so much about Trinity that our faculty are very approachable. And again, we know that we, we're a smaller institution. So we, we can't say that that is, um, has space to be done at a different institution, like maybe like a big 10 school, but that's not to say that we can't at least try, right? And, and I always pick on a big 10 school, but, um, but, I think the biggest thing is to make an effort to make those connections with those advisors, because just like I can't come and tell the student what you've taught them in their class, you know, but I can say, hey, why don't you reach out to your professor? But if it takes a, a five, 10 minute conversation, a Zoom call, what, how can we help you be successful? And that's really how I started off, right? Because we know that some students may not just have that wherewithal to do that. So building those connections with those, the other pieces of the team. So one of the things in Quickly and Starfish that we have, we list the network. So our students can see their professors, they can see their advisors, they can see their deans, right? And everybody can see that information. So I could reach out to my, that dean and say, hey, this student is struggling a little bit with, with something. How can we all work together? So something, um, just something of that nature to keep in mind. Yeah, I was, and then also uh, faculty are on the call. Um, one of the things that we do within the Center of Student Success, so let's say there, there are programs of studies that needs to be updated or tweaked. We have faculty input on programs of studies. And then also um, within Starfish, um, our faculty members are actually able to raise flags about right. students in a particular class, and that directly connects to the advisor and the advisor reaches out. So that's just another way that we um, have relationships with faculty and also allow them to have input in what we're doing on the advising side. And mm -hmm. that's when at least we invite them to our academic advising meetings. So 
as they invite us to faculty meetings, we invite them to academic advising meetings as well. I love that work. And oh, in, in addition, in addition to raising flags about academic concerns, they're also able to raise flags about financial concerns. Mm -hmm. I know that's a um, hot ticket item, but we work in, in such a web, um, in an interconnected web, so that these students don't fall in the cracks. So I'll have a student who comes to me and say the things that they won't say to their academic advisor or their professor because they're too embarrassed. You have to understand that this population of students have a great sense of pride um, that just goes with the culture. And they don't wanna feel like they're, for lack of better words, stupid or, or dumb for asking a question. And they'll go to people who they can confide in um, and sometimes I am that person. So I can, you know, just nudge low, like, hey, kind of have a conversation. What more can we do to, for this student? What, how can we get her to buy into what, what we're trying to do for her here? Um, so like Lo said, these silos have to stop. The student is not getting the best of their experience. At the end of the day, we are providing a service for these students. Um, and we can't provide the best service if we don't know what the the left hand is doing and we're the right hand. You get what I'm saying? Uh, right. So yeah. That's awesome. You know, I think about the students that I teach in my FYE courses and how one of the things we have to, we do in like week two is they have to name their person and that person can change. But as we think about a sense of belonging, who is, who's the person you're gonna go to when you have a question? Um, and, and, and naming that person and putting down um, their, their information. I've had Melissa um, throw into our chat um, the Innovative Educators website. Um, we've got some resources, we've got lots of professional development resources around um, creating a sense of belonging in institutions in the classroom, um, you know, teaching in diverse um, settings. Um, but I also just wanted to call out um, some of our two-minute takeaways, which are short videos that faculty and staff may find helpful as well um, that are there, kind of addressing um, these very kinds of topics that we've talked about. Um, I've got that it's unfortunately 1246. This wow. went by far too fast. We didn't get through half the cut. We're going to have to have you all back. I think that's just gonna be the easy answer because I feel like we could do uh, many conversations about many of these topics. Um, I do wanna let everybody know that a, a survey will pop up um, as we wrap up today. Please do uh, take a second to fill that out as it really helps us make sure that we're shaping um, conversations that are helpful to our listening audience. And Nicole and Reggie and Leandra, thank you so much. I have taken two pages of notes um, on our conversation today. I think we have all gotten so much out of this. Um, you know, it, it's the work that you're doing is, as you know, just so important. And I think you're really cutting edge in the way that you're thinking so strategically about how are we bringing students on into our institution? Um, how are we doing those handoffs? And how are we engaging at all space, places that our students are, right? in financial aid, in advising, in the classroom, um, listening to them, um, you know, and really creating, clearly you guys are doing a fantastic job creating um, a culture of care um, at your institution. So Trinity Washington is lucky to have y'all. Um, so thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you yeah, thank so much for having thank us. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> this is we so will much be fun. back. <laughs> 
uh, you'll be back. This was great. Thank you so much. Um, everybody have a wonderful weekend. As always, I hope there is time for rest and renewal. Um, goodness knows we all need it um, with the important work that we're doing. But thank you all so much. Take care. All right. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Friday Five Live is brought to you by Innovative Educators. Innovative Educators offers six online services for your onboarding support and training needs. Visit us at innovativeeducators.org to see how we can support your student success initiatives.